The best way to start your weekend is with Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network. Sponsored by BetMGM. Welcome, everybody. BetQL Weekend back again for another weekend. I'm Mark Drumheller. No Ryan Rothstein this weekend, but we still have plenty of betting angles and winning wagers for you lined up. Tons of going on. We've crowned a new NBA champion, the Denver Nuggets, a team that everybody slept on during the regular season, proved a lot of doubters wrong, got the job done relatively easily against the Miami Heat. Uh, the parade was an incredible sight yesterday. Nikola Jokic, um, obviously, uh, having a lot of fun out there. But we're going to talk about that. But first, before we do, I want to get into the John Morant story, right? That, that's really the big bomb that dropped. Everybody was waiting throughout the playoffs to find out what was uh, Adam Silver going to do with John Morant, right? And he didn't want to disrupt the Nuggets' run, you know, through the playoffs and in the championship. So, uh, he waited for them to have their time, for them to have their parade. But now we get our answers as far as, you know, what the future of the Memphis Grizzlies looks like going into next year um, from a betting perspective. So John Morant, just to catch you guys up, 25-game suspension, uh, which is pretty significant. Now, I know the NBA is a league where stars don't play the full season anyway, right? They're going to get some rest during the year. That makes it one of the hardest things for handicappers. But – um, you know, a 25-game chunk without your star player is a lot, especially for a team like Memphis who, you know, despite having a great, you know, record during the regular season, we saw the holes in that team really get exposed um, in the playoffs against the Lakers. Uh, we know that that is a team that's going to be going through some changes. So how will this 25-game suspension impact Memphis? Um, I, I think it's tough, and I think that Memphis has – you know, have to have a, a strong look in the mirror, you know, a strong conversation with John Morant to figure out, is he going to be that catalyst that kind of moves them to the next level? Uh, being out without your star player for 25 games is tough. Um, $7.6 million. Uh, it's it's going to cost him 304000 per game. So, um, you know, definitely hefty ramifications. I know that there are a lot of rumors about, hey, Silver's going to drop the bomb here. It could be a full season, right? We didn't see that. Um, so, you know, Memphis's odds, uh, you know, went from, you know, plus from like 30 to 1 to 22 to 1 after the announcement. So, uh, you know, we are seeing some kind of line movement and how that impacts. I think a lot of people were expecting a, a heavier, you know, suspension. And, and you're kind of seeing that reflected um in the market but you know when i look at memphis that this is just one of the issues but it's it's you're seeing some teams in the west here that need to to really make a leap if they're going to become an elite team you know or or a, even a stronger playoff team a team that can go deeper in the playoffs memphis is one of them you know uh new orleans is another one the pelicans what are they going to do with zion so uh, lots of questions going on in the NBA in regards to Memphis. And it makes you wonder if this team kind of needs to pivot away from, you know, John ja Morant and and look towards the future. If, if this is going to be an ongoing concern for them, how do they address that from an organizational level? But, you know, 25 games, not 
not too steep as far as, you know, the, the complete outlook of the season. I still think Memphis is going to be a team that's going to be right there in the mix, but I'm more interested in the long-term ramifications of how did the Grizzlies handle this? How did they handle John Morant going forward? Does it continue, right? Because we thought John Morant was past this. He got his warning from Silva, Silver, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, we, we, we see him, you know, have another issue right away. So, uh, you know, their last season, 11 and 10, when he wasn't on the floor. So, Throughout 25 games, if they can tread water and be a 500 team, um, it, it's going to make it tough to be a top seed again in the playoffs. If, you know, 25 games, you're, you're swimming around 500 as a team. So uh, I think Memphis is in a little bit of trouble, and I think they need to think about, you know, their future. From a betting perspective, uh, I think there's a lot of questions that, you know, we need to answer as far as the Memphis Grizzlies are concerned. But, you know, moving on, you know, the John Moran story, obviously huge, but I want to talk a little bit about the Denver Nuggets here. This was their season. This was their time. So many y- years we looked at the Denver Nuggets, and it was about how can this team get over the hump? How can this team stay healthy? We always thought they had the talent, but they were never able to get it done. And when I looked at the odds board going into the playoffs, when I looked at the Western Conference, I dismissed them. I, I, I'm, you know, I, listen, I, I backed them as we got the further along the postseason we went, but I dismissed them, um, you know, going into the playoffs because I, I didn't see them get it done, you know, and the NBA playoffs is typically, you know, a, a, a postseason where we see the stars that we're used to getting it done, get the job done. We see the teams that have done it in the past. We see the dynasties. So I think betters tend to, you know, move more towards that, you know, when we look at the odds boards. Uh, but Denver was a team, best team in the Western Conference, really just plowed through everybody, uh, you know, throughout the playoffs. When you look at the success they had, starting with Minnesota, you know, they won that in five games. They dismantled Phoenix, even though that was a six-game series. A lot of those games were not competitive. And then you had the situation of where they they sweep the Lakers, and they go right into the finals. The much better team against Miami won both games on Miami's home court. So um, it was a favorable outcome for me. I had Denver minus two and a half games, so I was very happy with that outcome. Had some Nikola Jokic uh, minus 135 in the MVP market. That was another one that cashed for us. Uh, you know, we I hit that one after both teams went 3-0. and in the Western Conference Finals because I knew historically those 3-0 and teams would advance, which made me see Denver matching up with Miami. Um, and I thought Denver was just a much better team there. So we cashed some good bets in that series. But let's talk about a little bit, you know, about next year, right? You know, with the Denver Nuggets, they went into the, um, you know, they went into the regular season 18-1 to to win the finals. They went into the playoffs at 9-1. to uh, Again, We've never seen them do it. First title in franchise history. So that is a situation of where, you know, we wanted to to see them prove that they could do it when they were healthy. And boy, did they answer the bell. Jamal Murray um, just was incredible in so many ways. You know, the big triple-double he had, the 30-point triple-double. And you just saw him be able to make plays, even in games where he didn't lay up the stat sheet. Uh, so it, when a team wins a championship, what do we do as fans? We ask about the dynasty, right? You know, do the Nuggets have what it takes to be a dynasty? They're going to be able to bring a lot of people back. Bruce Brown, really the only significant free agent. But keep in mind, Bruce Brown is a significant free agent. When you're able to bring a guy like that off the bench, 
uh, to be able to give you defense, I definitely think it's going to be huge. Um, so, you know, when I look at Denver, yes, you know, can they repeat next year? But the West is just going to be tough. Um, you look at some of the teams. I really like what Sacramento is building. You know, what are the Lakers going to do in the offseason? The Warriors, how are they going to rebound? Just tons of star power. When we look at the odds for next year, uh, Nuggets lead the pack at 5-1. to one. The Celtics, plus 550 over at BetMGM. Uh, and, you know, the Bucks at plus at 6-1, to one, despite bowing out of the playoffs awfully early, going through a coaching change. So, you know, they're the teams at the top of the odds board, but I think the West is just is going to be really tough for any team to get through to see the Nuggets repeat. At this at this price at five to one, I don't think there's any reason to to jump on them. Um, you know, if there was one team that I think that has sneaky value, you know, in in the futures market, it's going to be the Sacramento Kings. We saw the Kings make a huge leap this year. They can build on that. There are rumors that they're looking to acquire, you know, big time player, maybe Bradley Beal. You know, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But you know, the Kings at forty to one. I think hold a ton of value. And in the off season, that's what you want to do. You want to take a, a small investment on some of these long shots that could pay off big. And I think the Kings make a ton of sense. They're only going to get better. Um, but you know, that that's really how the odds board shaping up. When I look at it, you know, going forward, they're the teams that I'm going to take, but um, I'm going to bring in our producer, Zach Kroll right now. He wants to talk a little bit more about John ja Morant. Uh, you know, ja, Zach, 25 games, uh, you know, I think a little bit lighter than a lot of people expected considering the rumors, but it's still pretty significant when you talk about Memphis in the scope of the season. What we saw out of the West was there was a lot of hype between a lot of teams that were lower seeds, but Denver being the higher seed, getting it done in a regular season, was able to use that home court advantage to leverage it into a championship. Yep, there's no Zach. So Zach... um, Let's get the audio wrapped up, and we will bring you back to talk a little bit more about Ja Morant. Um, But, you know, I think that there's a lot of, uh, you know, questions about this Memphis team in what's a a loaded Western Conference. Like I said, there's going to be, um, you know, there's going to be right – there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be, you know, making changes to try and improve, to try and catch Denver, and it'll be interesting to see what big moves that we have. But I think we got Zach now. Zach, you good? Yeah, you guys got me? Perfect. Yep, sounding good. Awesome. So, yeah, Mark, that was going to be my question for you right off the bat, is when you look at Adam Silver and the way he talked about the possible suspension of John Morant prior to the NBA Finals last week, I feel like a lot of people's initial reaction to this announcement being 25 games is, wow, that might have been a little shorter than we expected. You mentioned uh, right at the beginning of the show that uh, the Grizzlies' odds already went all the way down from about 30-1 to to 22-1 to to win the NBA Finals. So my first question for you right off the bat would be, were you surprised at all by how short uh, the 25-game suspension was for Ja? Were you expecting more? Yeah, I like chaos. So I was, I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see a full year. I wanted to see the hammer come down or at least half a season, like something that's going to, this impedes Memphis and what they want to do next year. But I wanted to see something more significant. It was going to make it really, really tough for them to compete next year in a loaded West with this suspension. Because again, you know, what is the purpose of the suspension? You know, it's to, it's to give the team ramifications. It's to make John Morant pause and say, you know what, listen, I cost my team the entire season or, you know, I, I 
they're going to have to have an uphill battle and come in, you know, maybe through the play-in tournament. You know, if it was a 50-game suspension and they're 25 and 25 after that 50 games, it's going to be tough to get into, you know, those top seeds. And I think that's, you know, really where I was from. I wanted to see a much bigger um, suspension just because, you know, it would – it would have more impact, I think, on, you know, the ability to facilitate change with John Morant's behavior. Definitely. And I think all of us agree that the number one priority here is we want to see Ja back out there in a good mental state on the basketball court. We know just how talented, just how dynamic of a player he is, but he was suspended for about eight games earlier uh, in the NBA's regular season of this past year. And we thought that maybe that could have a little bit of an impact, but only eight games. I think even a suspension that short, it was hard to expect anything really changing. He did that interview with Jalen Rose. It's also important to remember He's had some incidents off the court with uh, the kid at the pickup game, the kid at the mall getting involved with his mom. Like if you're Adam Silver and if you're the NBA, this is one of the faces of your league. We know he has the big deal with Nike already. Just I don't know how many times you could keep dealing with this. And this has to be it for John Morant. 25 games. It does seem a little bit light to me, especially considering what what, uh, we were expecting from the NBA going in. But Ja's going to be out for the first 25 games of the next season. It's going to be interesting to see how that affects the Grizzlies also, because as crazy as it sounds, they've actually been a decent team without him on the floor. Uh, they In the one playoff game they played, I remember, against the Lakers, without him, they dominated that one from start to finish. So I'm going to be curious to see what impact that has on them for the first 25 games next year as well. And then after he comes back, just a, a crazy situation in Memphis. Yeah, it really is. And we all want, you know, Ja to move forward and, and mature as a player and, you know, these off-the-court issues to go away. Um, but I, I don't know. It just seems light to me. Like, the 25 games, like, I don't know if if that's going to be the situation here that's going to really make a ton of difference. But we have to give Ja Morant, you know, the benefit of the doubt here, you know, and, and we all hope that, you know, he moves on and have, has an incredible career because he's one of the more exciting players to watch. Like, I love watching Ja Morant go coast-to-coast flying through the lane, dunking on people. Um, but it, I mean, the fascinating part about it is when you looked at that draft, you know, you have Zion, you have John ja Morant. They're the biggest stories of the offseason for much different reasons. Yeah, that 2019 draft class, it's so crazy with Zion going one, John Morant going two, and the Knicks taking R.J. Barrett at number three. I'm sure there are a lot of Knicks fans that all of a sudden are pretty thankful to have R.J. on the team. He's had his ups and downs since he got to New York, but the one constant about him is that he plays basketball and he's someone you could rely on all the time. That's not really something we could say about Zion and Ja, and I'm going to be curious to see if either of those two guys are wearing a different uniform anytime soon. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So it's going to be an awesome offseason. Buckle up. We'll talk a little bit more basketball next segment as well as some baseball. We got to hit the diamond, get some bets out there for you guys. Some of the things that we should be looking at with some of these teams. Um, And also in our third segment, we're going to have our best bets uh, for the week. Five-star plays, 20-7. and So um, we'll be back in a few. Mark Drumheller here, BetQL Weekend presented by BetMGM. Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller will be back on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network, sponsored by BetMGM.
start your weekend betting off right with BetQL Weekend with Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller, sponsored by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Segment number two, Mark Drumheller here with Jake Hassan, BetQL Weekend presented by BetMGM, the king of sports books. Uh, we're going to continue the NBA talk. We talked about the offseason. There's going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be a lot of excitement. The news never going to die. So we want to hit some of, you know, the player movement and how that kind of impacts, you know, teams that we might have an eye on in the futures market, what we're going to see in the offseason, opportunities for us to, you know, wager on, whether it's the MVP market or, you know, individual specific teams. But, um, Jake, you know, let, let's start with the NBA and the the big players out there. I want to start it locally with me with Philadelphia and James Harden. Um, a lot of people, you know, initially just, it was a foregone conclusion. James Harden's going to go to Houston. Uh, and then it came out that, you know, he wants to stay and, you know, he's in Maury's ear and was talking about getting doc, you know, had a hand in, you know, the decision to kind of move from doc rivers to Nick nurse. Uh, but me personally, I'm not positive Harden's going to be here. I just wanted to get your thoughts real quick on, you know, the Sixers and James Harden. Like, do we think he's moving on or do we think he's going to stay in Philadelphia? Yeah, really had a hot start at that nurse press conference, right? When it gets asked a question about James Harden, he's like, oh, well, James is uh, a great player, I guess, is basically what he said. <laughs> like, all right, you're like, blink twice if you're being held hostage, Nick. Like, it's okay to yeah. expand on that a little bit. I was waiting for him to say uh, – it's, he's not Fred Van Fleet. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I was waiting for Nick Nurse. Right, and it's it's like, how did you? How are you not prepared for that question? It's your first introductory press conference in Philadelphia, and you're not ready for that question, seemingly. But I mean, Harden, you're right. It's so weird. We thought he was just going to go to Houston. Now it's like, oh, but maybe he does want to stay. And I mean, you would know more than me. Like, is Harden even a needle mover at this point? Like he's a good regular season player, but disappeared in the playoffs really. And you have Embiid saying, oh, well it, me and James can't do everything, which really was just Joel saying, I can't do everything here. It feels like you're going to need more regardless. Yeah. It's, he's more of a facilitator at this point in his career. Like he's not the James Harden that, you know, we remember as winning scoring titles and, you know, lighten it up with the step back. So I, I don't I, – I'd much rather them move on. Like, I think the younger this team can get, the better. You know, you haven't beat approaching 30 years old now. Not that you need to just, you know, scrap everything and look to the future, which I, I don't think would be a bad idea. But, um, you know, I do think that they have to get younger talent around Embiid. So, is, you know, if he does start to decline as a player or, you know, his injuries come up, you have – people there that can support them they have no draft picks you know so they're scrounging now to try and you know muster up a second round draft pick so you know because of the trades they made they're kind of in that purgatory that they tried to avoid with the process yeah it feels like you're like you said that window is slowly creeping you know closed for the Sixers which is now why we're at uh Damian Lillard territory now now we're at well is Damian Lillard going to end up a Sixer and is James Harden just going to kind of get shooed out the door at this point because you need to get Embiid some kind of other superstar that's on his level because clearly James Harden isn't superstar level anymore he's not going to carry a team for long stretches of time anymore outside of those couple games early in the playoffs this year but he can't keep it up and Damian Lillard for years we've been like somebody please get this guy out of Portland so he can actually win some games and be in the playoffs and you know be on the big stage 
stage. So now we're at this, okay, can Damian Lillard go to the Sixers territory? And that would be super interesting. And Bead and Lillard, I know Lillard's, what, 33 now? So he's not exactly in his you know prime prime anymore, but still really good and probably better than Harden at this point. So, I mean, does Lillard take you that point? I, that's not something we know at this point. He's not even on the team yet, but I would, that's interesting. Yeah. I would love to see Lillard here. Um, I think that him alone, though, is not enough. So I think if you're going to deal with Portland, I think you have to find a way to really change the chemistry of the team. Maybe get, you know, another good young player back with them, send some other guys over. Like, to me, it would have to be a much bigger deal than just bringing over Damian Lillard because I I don't know if the way the team's constructed by just adding Lillard is going to be enough. You know, I mean, we saw – you know, this is a team that continues to lose in the second round. So they're not just like one small piece away. But, uh, you know, I, I think that'll be interesting. A lot of rumors going around about Lillard in Miami. Now, that's a team that could use a prolific scorer like that that they can count on to kind of take some of the pressure off Jimmy Butler. Because we saw towards the end of the postseason, Butler just not having enough in the tank, you know, to be able to continue their Cinderella run. It's kind of what happened in the bubble. Like uh, Butler mm-hmm. drags them there. We obviously have the meme that's all, all over the place all the time. Now of him leaning over the barrier there and he's just exhausted. He's gassed. And that's a couple of years old. And now, I mean, I feel like that happened even more this year too. He disappeared completely in the finals. It was like playing a game of where in the world is Jimmy Butler because he sure as hell wasn't in Denver or Miami. I don't know who that guy was. And we were waiting for every game. It felt like, oh, well, the Jimmy Butler game's coming. The Jimmy Butler game is coming. And it just never happened. He ran out of gas. I think the question you have to ask if you're Miami, though, is what are you willing to give up for, let's say, Damian Lillard, but still keep the core of that team together? Because if you subtract too much, you're basically at a wash if at best because you take away some of those tertiary pieces and it's like, okay, we have the two stars, but now we have nothing else. And now we're basically the Celtics. Yep, exactly. And, you know, you want to have the, the big three would be, you know, Bam, Butler, Lillard. If you have that, you know, I think, I think the issue with Miami's roster is, is once you get past Butler and Bam, you know, you do have those pieces that are almost interchangeable. Like they're different, but they're interchangeable. A lot of those guys. So you'd have to send a couple of them back, you know, which ones, you know, that's going to be a decision for Spolstra. He knows a lot better than me. So, you know, he's going to have to make that decision, but um, one of the big players out there that I think this is um, fascinating to see who really bites on this contract is Bradley Beal. I mean, what are your thoughts on Bradley Beal? I hear rumored that the Kings were looking at him. I'm not sure that, um, you know, that's good for them. They're building something great. I don't want to see them kind of take on that con- that contract. Bradley Beal not played a lot. has been battling injuries. Um, what are your thoughts on where a guy like Bradley Beal might land? I mean, Bradley Beal is like the American dream, isn't it? Get a huge contract, get paid millions of dollars, and then just mail it in and just mail it in, show up and do the least bit of work possible to make the most amount of money possible. I feel like with Bradley Beal, it's at this point where he's kind of just a supporting star, if you want to even call him a star. Like, Almost that Sacramento kind of feels right because you have Fox and you have Sabonis and those guys are young and they're awesome. And then Beal there doesn't have to be the main guy. He doesn't have to be the one that all the heat is on, all the proverbial spotlight is on because Fox and Sabonis kind of feel that role. And then he can be the score. He can just be the guy that 
you know, shows up and scores 30 points here and there. And then you're kind of just coasting a little bit. It feels like Sacramento maybe is in a position to take that swing. I feel like if he goes somewhere, like let's use Philadelphia, for example, where he has to be a second star or a main star, that's not going to work out because that's just not who Bradley Beal is, it feels like. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think whoever I, – he, I don't know. They're, they seem like they're content on moving him. I just don't know who's going to want to take that contract and take that risk. And, you know, the challenge with moving Beal now at this point, last year I think you had a better chance. At this point, there's so many other players, again, that are out there and available that it's going to be hard to kind of build a market for, you know, Bradley Beal at this point. Um, one of the teams – that underachieved to their standards, I feel like, was the Boston Celtics not getting past the Miami Heat. Uh, they go out and get Sam Cassell. They're kind of like building the bench around Joe Mazzola, right? They gave him right. the vote of confidence that, you know, he's still the guy. Uh, do you think that the, the way this team is constructed, Jay, you know, because I don't. You know, I think yeah. the Tatum, Brown, like when you look at this core, they've struggled in clutch, in clutch situations for several years. I think that they're a team that really needs to make a significant splash. Um, again, very, you know, priced at the top of the futures market, a number that I don't agree with because I think they need to make some changes if they're going to get over the hump and we're going to talk about them winning an actual championship. Yeah, I mean, your tier first point of they're just building the bench around Joe Mazzula. Well, that is certainly a choice at this point. Did you see some of the things that guy said after games this year? Did you see, oh, well, we're disconnected in the locker room. It's the Eastern Conference Finals, man. We've been doing this for a few months. What do you mean there's a disconnect at this point? That's a little concerning, but I mean, more so, like you said, it's about the players. Do we really feel like Jason Tatum can be a guy that's the best player on a championship team? And if you do, then the next question is, do you feel like Jalen Brown is a guy that you feel like can be the second best player on a championship team? And is that something? And if both the answer to those questions is yes, which I'm not entirely sure that it is, especially when it comes to Brown, like, how do you get better? I mean, how do you upgrade from Marcus Smart or Malcolm Brogdon or anything? Like, are you really going to trot out Al Horford again and Robert Williams out there again for as many minutes as they played? You seemingly have the two stars, or at least Boston feels like they do. So it's where do you go from here? Because you had an opportunity seemingly to make it to the finals, and then you kind of just blew it. What do you think would be the one team that Brown could really make a difference on if they decide to move him? Like, what's the one team that you would want to see him go to? You know, I wonder if it's like, you know, do I want to see him at one of the top contending teams or I want to see him kind of catapult one of these teams over? Because I almost feel like he needs to be a piece on a team that's very, very close. You know, does he fit in Miami if they don't get Lillard? You know, how do they acquire him? You know, where does he go? But where do you think Jalen Brown could land if he's not in Boston? Yeah, I agree with you that it feels like it has to be a team that's already kind of a playoff caliber team and he can kind of boost them up another level or a step forward because we heard for a little while the rumors of Houston. Like, how does that make sense for Jalen Brown to go to Houston with yeah. that young? I mean, I get it. Udoka's there and maybe he wants to reunite with him, but that roster is so young and it feels like they need an actual like. Jalen Brown's a good player, an all-star caliber player even, but he's not a superstar player where it's like, all right, this is our guy. This is someone who we feel like can really win us a championship. doesn't feel like he's that guy. I feel like, I mean, we brought him up a little bit already, but like Sacramento kind of makes sense there. Like where, again, where he could be kind of like Beal, like a third guy and be that defensive stopper. I mean, that defense would be scary with Jalen Brown. Yeah, or like even like a Golden State, like could they finagle oh. some things to where they move pool, they move some people, get him in there. 
Um, you know, but I think or Lakers, like it had to be one of those teams that it can really kind of push them over the top. But lots of player movement going on in the NBA. It's going to be a fun summer for sure. But let's pivot over to the Diamond Jake. Um, you know, baseball season. Now we're in the dog days of summer, right? No NBA, no NHL. You know, we're going to be talking NFL futures till we're blue in the face over the next couple months. But we do have baseball to carry us through here. Um, and, you know, just give me some of your initial thoughts on, you know, where we're at in the Major League Baseball season and some of the teams that have surprised you so far. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing here, and it, it's some things are just over. I mean, Shohei Otani is your MVP. Like, that's great. All right, here we go. Might as well give it to him now. Corbin Carroll is, unless something crazy happens, like he falls through a hole in the universe and just disappears, Corbin Carroll's probably your NL Rookie of the Year. And there's not a lot that's – some of those things are done. But there's some that are really tight and really interesting. I think the NL Central, for as terrible and truly horrendous as it is – there are some opportunities here because these terrible teams are just going to cannibalize each other. And everyone wants to talk about the Reds right now. And I, I get it. The Reds are actually like kind of a fun team. They are calling guys up. Ellie De La Cruz, of course, is the headliner and everyone wants to talk about him. And yeah, he's awesome. And he's going to finish second in NL rookie of the year. Good for him. He's super fun. And he's definitely a guy that can catapult the Reds to the next level, but also like their starting pitcher who's pitching this weekend, Andrew Abbott, who they called up. He has allowed one run and two starts so far. And they they have a guy, Jake Fraley, coming off the injured list in the next couple of days. He's been really good for them. And by the way, Joey Votto is still on the IL. They have any, he has played 0.0 games for the Reds so far this year. And you read some of the reports of his rehab at AAA. He's hitting home runs again. And yeah, it's AAA, and that's an offensive league, blah, 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 blah. But it's still Joey Votto, man. This is a guy who used to be contending for MVP awards. He can only be a boost for your team and still play at a really high level. I think the Reds, they're priced at last in the NL Central prices right now. It's obviously come way down. Two weeks ago, they were 25 to 1, I think, to win the NL Central. But they're still priced last, and they really shouldn't be. They're better than the Cubs. I hate the Brewers. I think the Brewers are a terrible team. I think at the end, it's going to really be the Reds and the Pirates vying for this. I think this should totally be a situation if you want. I know the price isn't as good as it was, but I think the Reds are still priced wrong for the NL Central. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, you brought up Abbott. They have some good young players. Um, you know, two starts, 10 Ks, and no <laughs> earned runs. You know yeah. what I mean? So he, he's been incredible. Uh, and they, they've kind of taken over the moniker of America's team, right? 22 sure. comeback wins, team you can't count out, right? And it, it's just a fun team, you know, to kind of invest in in the futures market. Like, hey, yeah. you're going to take a shot with a team in a wide-open division, right? The Cardinals, complete mess. They're like the yeah. Midwest Mets. Like they can't get anything right. <laughs> you know, they don't, they still don't know what's going on, you know, in St. Louis. And, uh, you know, again, the Brewers, the Pirates, or is the rotation going to be deep enough? Probably not, you know. So you expect, expect them to kind of falter down the stretch. So I think the Reds are going to be a super fun story, you know, to, to cover, you know, throughout his, uh, you know, the rest of the season. And I think there is some value on them. I mean, you take a little bit of a shot now in the futures market. You know, that's the time to do it with some of these teams. Um, and I think you have to target the divisions that have vulnerable favorites or that are a little bit more wide open. But, you know, listen, we're going to get into some more Major League Baseball talk when we come back for the third segment, as well as our five-star bets, right? I'm going to have my five-star bets locked and loaded, um, trying to keep the hot streak going. So we'll be back in a few. Uh, BetQL Weekend presented by BetMGM. 
Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller will be back on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network, sponsored by BetMGM. Start your weekend betting off right with BetQL Weekend with Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller, sponsored by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Final segment, Mark Drumheller here with Jake Hassan. BetQL Weekend uh, brought to you by BetMGM. The most profitable 60 minutes of sports uh, betting content that you'll hear this weekend. So we're going to get into our best bets. Tons of winners. Um, been on a heater, trying to keep that going. But before we do, we're going to finish up the Major League Baseball talk with the Reds. Reds, you know, a lot of fun team. And the, the NL Central is really an area that we can target from a betting perspective, um, you know, with this team. And Jake, I think there's a ton of value. Yeah, and you know we talked about in the last segment that the Reds might be a play to win the NL Central just because that's, that division is so terrible, and it's I think they're three and a half games out now in the standings. And you know, just to close the knot on that point, like I think the Brewers are terrible. I think they might sell. Brandon Woodruff hasn't pitched since April. I think we you mentioned it a little bit. The Cardinals might sell because they're so terrible. The Cubs are probably going to trade Marcus Stroman and Cody Bellinger, and the Pirates are just the Pirates. They're probably just not ready for prime time to hold that spot wire to wire. So like you said, a vulnerable favorite, but even if you don't want to jump in on that price at that eight to one, the reds on a day to day basis can be super profitable because they're still being priced like underdogs just about every single day. They just finished a series with the Royals where they were dogs in almost every game. It didn't make sense. And at worst, it was like a pick them at you know, minus 110 or minus 105 every day. You could play the Reds. And, you know, we talked a bit, little bit about Andrew Abbott. He's been awesome. Hunter Green is still really good. You can play on these pitchers. I would never, ever, ever bet on Graham Ashcraft because he's truly terrible. But everyone else is fair game here. The Reds just keep winning games. They had a couple come from behind wins last week too you know if they're priced like dogs and they're going to be at plus money a lot of times I think there's a real opportunity to bet them and make some profit here yeah you spoke about Andrew Abbott and that's an area that I like to target like when these pitchers and they call up these pitchers and they're doing well you know first time around the league I love to attack them um you're seeing that in LA you know Bobby Miller gets the call again yeah. on the hill Saturday I hit him in my best bets last week against Philadelphia um, you know, against Aaron Nola. And I think if you can find those pitchers, you know, that come up and are having a, a success, you can get some decent prices on them before, the, you know, the market catches up. But, um, you know, another team that we're betting on a day-to-day -day perspective, I know a lot of people, you know, you look on social media and Twitter, they were piling on the A's seven-game win streak. Uh, you know, the Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas, um, you know, is imminent. And the fans had their reverse boycott. Everybody comes out to the stadium. Uh, didn't really, uh, you know, move Manfred. <laughs> he didn't really care. So, um, you know, but when you look at the A's, when we're evaluating teams, especially in a 162-game season, right, what do we always say? They're never as bad as their lowest point. They're never as good as their highest point, right? So we know the A's aren't going to contend for anything, you know, this season. But do you think, even though they dropped the last few games um, off the seven-game win streak, do you think that there's value, you know, as they go into these next two series is against Philadelphia, um, which is a team that has been hot lately, but up and down. And then they get Cleveland after that. Like, do you think some of the A's magic that we saw, you know, over the past week, you know, will be a little bit of residue there? Yeah, I mean, listen – 
uh, the Phillies, and you know this better than anyone, the Phillies are the biggest up-and-down team probably in all of baseball. <laughs> it's like, you know, you go on a three-game win streak, then you lose the next four. Then you win the next seven, but you mm-hmm. lose the next ten. Like, it's just, oh, it's a roller coaster with this team. It's never constant with the Phillies. So there will probably be an opportunity there uh, if you get, like, a Paul Blackburn start because he's their best pitcher on the A's. Maybe if he's at decent plus money on the money line, which they will be, uh, to take the A's there. I mean, the reverse boycott, was there any any you know chance that the A's were losing that game? Come on, like you do a reverse boycott. There was no chance they were losing that game. So the A's, like you said, they're not as good as that seven-game win streak. But I think there could be opportunities throughout the year where you can try and pick and choose where to bet on them and, and back the A's. But then for the most part, there's going to be those opportunities. Like you saw uh, earlier this week with Taj Bradley striking out 11 of the 13 guys that he got out, 11 of them via punch out. That's going to happen then too. So there's going to be some variance here with the A's where, yeah, most of the time you're not going to want to bet on them, but there could be certain opportunities on the money line where if you feel good about one of their pitchers, for me, it's Paul Blackburn. I think he's a very good pitcher uh, above average, at least, which for the A's makes him a bona fide A's obviously, but I think there's opportunities there in those certain situations where you can back the A's, but a lot of time it's going to be, okay, go for the extreme fade because you're going to get those 11K performances by starters against them. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And one of those spots better should have their eye on is this Saturday against the Philadelphia Phillies. The Phillies um, don't know who they're starting. They're doing the whole four-man. It'll probably be a reliever game. You know, they're, yeah. they're short. The rotation's short. So, um, you know, that's a spot where I think the A's could probably pull off an upset on Saturday. But um, let's move on. We're going to get into the bets now. We're getting towards the, uh, you know, second half of the segment here. And we're going to start with my big swings, Jake. And we do a segment here, big swings, where we it's a, we put together a huge parlay. And, you know, for the people over the weekend, not a huge investment, right? We just want to carve out a little chunk of the bankroll to have some fun this weekend. So I'm going to fire off on mine. Was very close last week. Missed it because Dan Ige did not get the finish against Nate Landwehr. Had it, it was very close. He was right there. But we just missed that one. But I have a huge one. Plus... 2987 um, on this parlay. You get over at BetMGM. We're going to go College World Series. We're going to go Wake Forest money line against Stanford, right? Wake Forest favorites to win the whole thing for a reason. Elite pitching. They hit bombs. That is always a good combination. They lead the nation in, you know, uh, hits allowed and, you know, Ks per nine innings. So, like Wake Forest on the money line there, that's going to be leg number one. Leg number two is uh, Sarukian inside the distance Saturday night in the UFC. Sarukian a minus 1,100 favor. He's going to run right through Silva. Take them inside the distance. That way you get that price down. Add it to the parlay. Third leg is going to be Pat Sabatini by submission. Uh, Sabatini's a guy who got who coming off a big loss. Took about 10 months to come back. Um, and now it's a big fight for him. Minus 200 favor. But we're going to bet him to win by submission. You can get that around plus 275. That's going to be the third leg. Our fourth leg is going to be Armin Petrosian, who's an underdog in this fight. I'm going to talk a little bit more about him in my uh, five-star bets. We're going to add him there. Um, and the fifth leg, we got to throw some USFL in there. Philadelphia <laughs> Stars on the money line against the Michigan Panthers. The Michigan Panthers are the worst team in the USFL. This is a loser-goes-home match. Winner advances to the playoffs. Uh, Michigan has the combination of allowing uh, scoring the least amount of points in the USFL, 16 points per game, and having the most giveaways, right? So that's not a team you want to bet on. We're going to run from them. We're going to put the stars. So our big swing plus 29.87 parlay is going to be Wake Forest money line, 
uh, Sarukian inside the distance. Sabatini by submission. Petrosian. And then Philadelphia Stars money line plus 2897. So when we come back next week, Ryan joins us. We're going to have fat pockets. We're going to be plus 2987. I think this one's going to hit. Um, it's a big one, Jake. Well, I mean, I would hope that you think it's going to hit. Otherwise, what are we doing here in the first place? But yeah, I mean, that's great. That's what we're here for. That's what the people come here for, Mark, is the USFL plays. That's what keeps them coming back every single week. That's what we love to see. So what do you think about my Wake Forest pick, right? Easy, easy layup here against Stanford. Oh, yeah. I mean, in, in this game specifically, I, Wake Forest, like you said, is awesome. They're the number one team for a reason. They were great all year. Rhett Lauder is an absolute ace. Going to be a top probably five pick in the upcoming MLB draft. He's filthy. And I just hate the Stanford team. I've been trying to fade them all tournament long, and it's going really, really well, obviously, seeing as they're in Omaha. But I just think they're a bad team. I don't know if you watched it. I'm a sicko, so I watched all that Texas-Stanford game that Stanford advanced on, and they tried so hard to lose that game. On the pop fly that everyone saw, they got lost in the lights. Texas gets walked off on on a, in error, really, and Stanford advances. But Stanford tried to to lose that game so bad. I think they're just going to get smoked by Wake Forest. Honestly, if you were taking the run line, I would totally sign off on that too in this game because Wake Forest, I think, just steamrolls. Yeah, I mean, you saw what they can do in the game they advanced in against Alabama where they won 22-5 to and they hit a million home runs in that game. That's just what they do. I think you're going to see the offense go down a little bit in Omaha just because that park is a little bigger, closer to MLB-type dimensions in that park. But that's not even Wake Forest. That's just across the board. And I still think they're going to be a really powerful offensive team. Uh, you know, for me, and going forward in this College World Series, you know, Everybody loves Oral. I've said it for a long time. Oral Roberts is the best. They're such a fun team. They were one of the best pitching staffs in the nation all year. And now you're seeing it, and they just play really sound, fundamental baseball. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They just wait for you to beat yourself, and they get a matchup this weekend, and they're on the tough side of the bracket with Florida and Virginia, and that's really hard. But I think this is a team that I'm still going to play them on the money line probably every game because they're that good. They can hang with anybody, and they're going to be big dogs in all these games. The College World Series, we're going to have a lot of fun, I think, this weekend. So Oral is the team to watch for the upset, right? Yeah, absolutely. They, you know... I, I have some futures on Florida. We've talked about it on uh, BetQL Daily and You Better You Bet uh, during the week. But Florida is a team that I'm heavily leveraged on for the futures. Got them at 9 plus 950 before the tournament started. I think they're a great team. But Oral Roberts is scary. They're on the Cinderella run. And wacky things happen in baseball. It's just the nature of the sport. Things like this happen. And Oral Roberts... You know, it's because of their pitching to me that is makes them so dangerous. They were an underrated team. Obviously, they're not a big name school. They're not a Florida. They're not a Virginia. They're not a Wake Forest. You know, you see Oral Roberts in the tournament, you're like, oh yeah, that team from you know the basketball March Madness, that the basketball tournament, uh, which everybody's like, oh yeah, and they're doing it again with baseball now too, and they're just a really talented pitching staff, and I think that's going to play in Omaha. Awesome. Love it. I'm excited for the College World Series, man. It's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. But hopefully Wake Forest Advance gets this parlay off on the right foot. Um, listen, a few minutes left. 
five-star bets. I'm going to run through them real quick. Been on an absolute heater, 20-7 and seven since we started doing this. Um, we're going to start it with the USFL, just for my man, Jake. Pittsburgh, New Jersey, under minus 40 and a half. Um, they keep hanging these totals under 40. I have no idea why. Pittsburgh, 7-1-1 one, one, um, on the season uh, to the under. And their average combined score in their games through the first nine weeks, 35.8. Way lower than the 40 and a half that it's at now. We're going to bet the under again. And the second five-star bet is going to be Armin Petrosian plus 135 against Christian Leroy Duncan in the UFC. Uh, Duncan, undefeated prospect, explosive striker, sell high here. We're taking Petrosian, the underdog. He's the more experienced, more consistent fighter. He's been in there with much better competition and survived. So I think he gets the job done here. And then the last one is Pat Sabatini, minus 200. Um, here against Lucas Almeida. Almeida has KO power, but Sabatini's a local guy here in Philadelphia. He's from Bristol. You know, he trains over at Daniel Gracie uh, Jiu-Jitsu. So I like him here. I think his grappling is going to play. It's going to be the difference. Uh, like I said, coming off a bad loss, took some time off, you know, about 10 months. Now he gets back into action. So um, I like Pat Sabatini here. So they're the three five-star bets. We're going for another sweep. We swept it last week. We're going to sweep it again, and hopefully we can get the 23-7 and seven next time uh, we're here. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. But All right. Well, Jake, listen, appreciate you hanging out today, man. We had an awesome show. Yeah. Lots of action packed in here in this 60 minutes. We appreciate everybody hanging. BetQL Weekend presented by BetMGM Sports. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you guys next week. Ryan Rothstein and Mark Drumheller will be back on BetQL Weekend on the BetQL Network, sponsored by BetMGM.